What's going on, folks? Thanks for checking out Toys and Tech of the Trade. A little different this episode. I'm joined by two guests, Matt, who you know from Nerd News Today, and Corey from the Black Podcasters Association, who collaborated with us recently on the event that we held in Queens, New York, and we shared that in a previous episode. They're joining us as we are recording on location at the Landing 251, which is an office space here in Long Island, New York. The owner was kind enough to let us use his space, and hopefully we'll be doing a lot more recording here. Uh, Big shout out to Jim for letting us come here and deliver this week's episode. Guys, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. Matt, as many of you know, has been killing it with Nerd News Today, which is currently on summer hiatus. But first and foremost, when are you coming back so we can let them know? Nerd News Today over on YouTube.com slash Nerd News Today has been super busy this summer, actually. It's been nonstop. We had way too many toys this summer to look at. But my podcast, Trek Untold, that's been on a little bit of a summer hiatus. And that should be coming back in the next two or three weeks. With the actors strike going on, the actors and writers strike in Hollywood, things have kind of slowed down. But the good news is I recorded a ton of stuff before any of that was even happening. So I've got a lot of episodes ready in the dock, waiting to go. And there's some real, real interesting ones this season. So good stuff coming up. I'm very, I'm very excited for it. Obviously, Trek Untold is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network. Mag and I have worked on a ton of great projects together. And Corey and I have collaborated on quite a few. Corey runs the Black Podcasters Association and really just just coming off a big event that he did earlier in the summer in Brooklyn. And I wanted to bring him on board to obviously catch up with him, but to ask him, how was it just running that event now, your second event, uh, larger scale, full sponsorships? It was tremendous. I just want to say shout out to all the event planners out there and the people who who enjoy putting events together because it was I I learned something about myself as a person and I realized I didn't like it, but it was, it was a good experience. You know, this year we had sponsors last year, everything came out of my pocket. So that was a whole different experience of, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page, figure out what the sponsors need so I can provide that for them in, re- in return for the money that they put up. But it was, it was a much bigger, better experience than we did last year. So I was really proud and, you know, thank you and everybody else who came out and supported because they want to be in way better than I ever expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, one of one of the coolest aspects, and I'll I'll share it with with the audience, was that they had a listening party, a silent listening party for the Cube. Anna Deshawn was there; she was the keynote speaker at Corey's event, and I had never seen a silent listening party before, and it was probably one of the coolest things ever. Everybody got uh, wireless headphones, and all of the audio was piped in, and it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. As somebody who's seen people deal with sensory issues and things like that. I appreciated the fact that that was such a, a great way to cater to an audience that has that. But yeah. more importantly, it was also good because even though you were doing that in a big space and you had music and everything else, it was not detrimental to the surrounding area or the neighbors. So that was, that was tremendous. And I thought that was just very, very forward thinking. And it, and it keeps, it kept the, the podcast listening part still personal, right? Like, you know, podcasting is a very intimate thing. So even though you're in a room full of people, it was still very intimate to each individual listener. So like a lot of the pictures that I got, you just see everybody like, you know, like in deep thought, listening to the content. So it was, I used to make fun of people at a silent party because it was just a weird concept to me. And then actually being a part of it, I was like, I see, I can see why people like it now. Yeah, I, I was, I think that from a, from a party perspective, it's a little different exactly that because it seems strange. But 
from a podcasting perspective, I think that it's something that more and more podcast community should look into because I think it's just a great way to do that with minimal overhead. And more importantly, it keeps the focus on what we're here for first and foremost, even though we are doing video and we're doing all the bells and whistles, podcasting is still an audio medium. And I wanted to ask Matt about that because doing Trek Untold and talking to so many different people, you've had the chance to interact with people that just have been in front of a camera all their lives. And now they're, you're just like, hey, you know, just dial up on Zoom and let's record an episode. How's that been in terms of just your approach, especially you being a filmmaker first and foremost? I think the one thing I've learned, and this also came from like doing documentary film work, especially is like every guest is going to be different. And every guest in turn is going to have different needs for what they want and how to be talked to. So I think that's been like one of the biggest things that I've learned since I started doing the Trek Untold podcast is the art of having a conversation. Because it's one thing to, you know, like, for example, I know there's probably a lot of solo podcasters out there who are going to be, you know, talking to themselves for 30 minutes, an hour, whatever they do. But when you get somebody, whether it's next to you, like we're doing today or virtually over Zoom, it's a very different thing because every single person I talk to is going to want to be spoken to in a different way. And they're going to want to be interacted with in a different way to engage them. Like, I've had some guests who they kind of just know the stories they want to tell in advance. My questions kind of mean nothing to them. So they will more or less hijack the interview and they'll tell their stories that they tell at every Comic Con or whatever. And that's what they want to do. Some are there to sell their products or whatever they want to do. In some cases, though, they really want to talk. And then it's a matter of like finding out how to get them to talk and then how to get them to open up into the next level. Cause that's what I kind of like to do with the podcast is not just focus on the professional part, but we're all about the personal part and figuring out how the personal part went into their professional lives. So it's then kind of the key of digging deep, deep into their psyche, into their soul. And learning more about them through that way, getting the internal to understand the external. And so how you do that, again, different for every single person. There might be like a certain memory that they have that triggers something or like a certain thought that has them like thinking about something a little bit differently. You know, I can think of some folks who live very public lives, like my, my episode with Sachi Parker. That was like one of the ones where I still get a lot of comments on to this day. There's a lot of talk about that one. So we basically started talking about her relationship with her mom, Shirley McLean. And that became like the majority of the interview. And I mean, that was, I think, the first Trek Untold where I had a guest cry on camera for me. <laughs> but we dug deep. And, and a big part of doing that, again, it's the art of the conversation. It's figuring out what they want to do and then also creating trust. And that's the same when you're doing documentary film, especially like you need to create a level of trust between yourself and the person on the other side of that screen so that they want to tell you their entire life story. So that's, that's been like the biggest takeaway. And it's still a learning experience because, again, every single guest is going to be different. So. That's kind of the biggest takeaway is I've learned how to communicate, I think, better with people, which is pretty, pretty important skill to have in life. How do you think the pandemic has changed how media is being created? And especially in your case with guests and creating content, do you feel that now guests, since they've been doing it for so long, are more comfortable? It's funny because like I started Trek Untold pretty much in the early days of the pandemic. Like I'd already been doing YouTubing and stuff for a long, long, long time. Yep. And I'd done some interviews over Skype here and there, and that was like, you know, a novel concept pre-COVID. Can you believe that? Can you believe a time when like that was new? <laughs> and yeah. So, you know, then a few months into, I started doing Zoom and doing more video interviews that I also would put up on the YouTube channel. So a lot of folks were definitely weirded out by it, but I was also surprised how many of them were like more acutely aware of it too. Because like, like I mentioned, I was using Skype predominantly and Skype was the standard until COVID. That's right. All of a sudden, everybody now using Zoom. I was in the early days, like unsure if I wanted to use it because I was also like really focused on just audio. I wasn't really thinking. I, I, I was trying my life. I was trying to make my life easier. Honestly, I was trying to not do video and audio and make myself have to do more work. No, turns out I should have done video from day one. But so many of my guests were like, "Oh, I don't have Skype. I only use Zoom." 
So I'm the one who actually had to transition over. For the wow. most part, okay. they were okay with Zoom because at that point they were using it. You know, that didn't really even matter what field they were in. Because, you know, a lot of actors now have to do auditions via Zoom or they have to do a lot more self-tape than they would have done a few years earlier. But they were getting used to it because that's how they saw their friends now. That's how they saw their family members. They had to use Zoom. They were more used to it than I was. That's crazy. Right? Yeah, it shouldn't have been that way, but go figure. So I think for me, it was a bigger change. But I mean, it's honestly a welcome one because it's given me so much more access I wouldn't have had previously. I mean, back when I was doing the fight nerd days, I would have to like hold myself and up to a recorder. And that's how I was doing my bootleg audio uh, interviews. So Jeez. now I could actually do it with like proper sound and all that stuff. So I feel like for me, it's, I mean, without it, I really wouldn't even have a show. What about you, Corey? I think for me, because I'm an audio guy, so it was a it was a trans it was a transition for myself. You and me both to adopt the video component. I still consider myself a, like a podcast purist, right? Because I would say, well, you add a camera, it's now a talk show. But from like interacting with people, I, I, I was kind of like Matt. Like they were more ready to go. They were like, do, do I do videos? Can I do video? Can I do video? I'm like, well, you know, let's let's examine this. Let's start learning more. And then you know, as the data start coming out, showing like more people starting to blend and see podcasting as both audio and video you know i was like you know what i gotta just join the party and, and, and really start understanding how this works and 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 provide customers with what they're looking for right because my first iteration of my studio i didn't have any cameras so now i went out and you know brought some cameras it's like okay i want to leave money on the table because yeah. people are asking for it and so i think i lost some clients because of that because they wanted the video component so I think people now after the post pandemic, they're like more, some people just know more about cameras and videos than I do. And I thought I, and I, I'm learning a lot just, you know, my own learning. So I think they come prepared. I think they're ready for it. I think some people have delusions of grandeur about it, but I mean, that's where we come in. Let's sit down and like, okay, let's figure this out. Cause like you, Matt, I didn't want to make more work for myself. I, right. Right. I think, and I always tell people like the production value, your production goes up once you start adding the camera. So let's Absolutely. let's have a genuine conversation about it because there's a lot of people who don't have the budgets, they don't have the money, and you know, and the stuff that's required for video. So I think that's where we're at now with a lot of podcasters. It's just we need to have those conversations versus like, are you going to do video or or do you want to do video? It's like, okay, you want to do video. Well, what do you you know where are you at with your budget? How do we figure out how to make this work for you? I think on top of that, just to kind of add on to Corey's point, is like use the term budget. And that's a perfect term because a lot of folks who, who are, let's say, you know, there's a lot of COVID podcasts now. A lot of folks started podcasts right, right as soon as the COVID pandemic began, right? So they're thinking money and budget, but budget also means like energy and time, right, Corey? I mean, because now, like you yeah. said, you're now suddenly doing video. You have to not think about that. You now have to have a camera in front of you. You have to think about all these other things. Uh, if you're, you're using a live switcher, we're doing shows. Yep. I mean, it's like all these other components now. And there's more video editing. There's now, if you're going to make social clips, you know, shorts, things like that, with video. So there's now not just the money aspect. It's now budgeting your time and your own energy to do that kind of stuff too. Yeah. I think that that's to, to Corey's sentiment. I, I'm still stuck in audio mode. Matt and I have worked together on numerous video things and audioness shines through very much. And the problem is I've done in the 16 years I've done this, I transitioned to video at one point when I was doing my take radio and video was great. It was good, the live streaming, but to, to that point, just more aggravations. Oh, the camera's not going to work or the audio is not in sync or, and, and the thing about it was, I just didn't want to keep doing that. And the funny thing was I stopped it and now videos, the driving force of everything. But I do want to say this to everybody who watches this is that 
I'm an audio purist because at the end of the day, you can listen to a podcast, an audio podcast anywhere versus video. You have to either have YouTube. You can't watch a, a video podcast in your car. You can't watch a video podcast on a We don't recommend it. We don't recommend it. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. We don't recommend it. And I think that that's the problem that has kept me so reliant on pushing audio first, because I tell people when they start out, I tell them, I'm like, you're someone's training partner. You're someone's co-pilot. You're someone's drive to work. You're someone's confidant. And that's only delivered through the power of audio. I mean, we grew up, you know, I'm an eighties baby and most of us are similar in age and we didn't have the audio drama like our parents did or our grandparents did. And think about it that, you know, they'd play an episode of Superman on the radio and you'd have to be like, there he is. And he's breaking through the wall and all this stuff. And you would have to literally close your eyes and feel that emotion. And I think with audio, especially when you're storytelling, if somebody's listening to a podcast before they go to sleep and you're doing a podcast and you're describing something, I just feel that that still has more power versus the reliance on, oh, look, you know, here's the video and it's 4K and, you know, like that. We spend too much time trying to make it pretty instead of making quality content. It leads things to the imagination. Right. I mean, when you talk about the radio, right? Water Worlds, right? The, the effect that it had when I, when I, when it first aired on, you know, and threw everybody off, like it took, I forgot who did, was it? Who, who, who did the worlds? Yes. Thank you. Of course, today I would remember. But you know, it took him being able to tell that story to make it so believable that people, you know, were going crazy or, you know, and thought it was real. So that just shows you power. I, I forgot who the director was because. In my Facebook group, we used to have these debates of like audio versus content and video and all that stuff. And, and I was like, you know, what, let me look up, like, let me see if the, the, what directors say about audio. And I can't remember who it was. I found some quotes about audio and they were saying like a movie is nothing without the audio. I was saw Oppenheimer for like the fifth time last night. And this time I was like paying attention to the, the movie, not the, you know, like how he, how they did it in the scenes and everything. And I, I think there was, it was really a scene in the whole entire movie without any music or, you know, so audio is, is a big important. It's very important. Like you said, people are still listening to podcasts when they're doing things that they can't focus. Like, I don't like watching videos like tutorials and stuff because I, I'm, I don't get work done. It's distracting. So I think, you know, you got to find that balance. And when you're talking about podcasting, I talk to people like, let's go audio first. One is cheaper, but two, your video, it's also, you know, how do we monetize it? You know, do you want to put it out there on YouTube or one of those platforms and just give it to people free? Is it some exclusive content you can give people? And I think when you're, when you're thinking about doing a podcast, you have to have those conversations and really flesh out what is your, your, your audio strategy? What is your video strategy? I think one of the scary parts for a lot of people, and we've all gone through this, is that we spend a lot of time trying to make it pretty. And instead of making it pretty, we should just press record and do it. Because I think at the end of the day, we're going to grow into perfection. I remember, and, and Matt can attest to this. Have you ever gone back and listened to your first Trek Untold? <laughs> That's me shivering right now. No, right. no, thank you. It's embarrassing to even think about that now because it's a totally different person doing that interview back then. Right. But if you go back and you listen to it and you see how much growth came from that, you know, you had your, your Trek Untold is in triple digits episode wise at this point. And even now there are days when I work with Matt and I listen to Trek Untold and I tell him like, wow, this was 
This was amazing. This was stellar storytelling. This guest was great. And we're still learning. Even though we have decades of experience between the three of us, we're still learning. And, you know, I wanted to ask both of you, what was the last part of this that said, man, I'm still learning? What was the last moment that you worked on one of your projects and you're like, man, I'm still learning? I mean, it could even be the most recent one because really like every time I try nowadays to like really see what I can do to improve it because the way I tend to work also is like I'm usually recording in bulk, editing in bulk, but I'm also trying to figure out what I can do differently each time and each season as well. I try to make some kind of changes. So like I know for me, one of my things is trying to figure out where do I lose people from listening to me? Where do I lose people? Where do they stop watching? How do I keep them watching? How do I, you know, put myself to a better position to try to monetize the show in some other ways? So there's been a lot of that. Like I know one of the changes I've been doing even just a few episodes ago was changing my intro completely. That's right. Uh, and then I also changed the literal intro from when I cut to myself talking, introducing the guest with just my solo shot to now me talking to the guest. I used to have this whole big thing. Now I've changed it, just get right to the conversation, make it a little more casual, make it more entry level. I think the biggest thing for me is I've been removing the formality. So it really is just like every time trying to do something different, whether that's changing how I edit a video clip or how I integrate a photo into it or just like little things like that. That's that's kind of, I think, the way that folks should kind of do it is each time you do it, get it done. Whatever it is, it, it is that. It's not a sacred beast. Just move on from it. And then the next one you do, be like, okay, I did this last time. Maybe it didn't work as well or I want to try this differently. I will do it here today. So that's kind of the way I, I tackle it. I think every single episode is like, I hate this. What, what this is horrible. I hate this. Uh, but I'm going to try and fix at least this one little thing. And maybe that'll be better next time around. How has the audience reacted as you've made these changes? Because you changed your intro, you changed your music, your transitions have been different. There's been a lot of adjustments over the last hundred plus episodes that you've done. How are you getting audience feedback? How does that, how does that work? How are you gauging what's working for you? My show, because it's like interview based and very evergreen content, it's very different how my audience interacts, honestly. Like, it's not like I'm talking every week about the latest episode of Star Trek on it. I don't really do that. Uh, I've done it a little bit here and there, but even then, the show is still guest centric. Like, when I was covering Strange New Worlds a little bit, I had interviews with Paul Wesley. I had interviews with Melissa Navi and other folks. So I still wasn't getting folks in there talking about the latest episode. We're talking about what the guest is saying. So there's been some feedback. I think the biggest feedback was honestly when I changed the music. That was the most controversial choice. Cause like, Here's the thing with the Star Trek podcasts out there is like they all use the exact same intro theme because there's just like one copyright free song out there that sounds like a Star Trek theme. So I remember listening to other folks' shows who I'm friends with even. I'm like, that's my song. That's my song. It's like four or five podcasts and I'm just listening to it in a row with the exact same copyright free song. So that was the point where I was like, okay, that has to change because if everybody keeps hearing that in the same show, it just sounds bad. So I did the foolish, crazy thing of going into GarageBand and making my own music. Which I used to do. You for other that shows. yourself? That's me. Yeah, I did that. Oh, man. Yeah, I did that. I, I pulled bits. In, cause I, I have a little bit of experience with GarageBand from years ago. Because I used to do my own music for the Fight Nerd YouTube channel. Because back then, even then, you couldn't really easily find license-free music. Or if you found stock music, copyrights and that kind of stuff, it's a load of nonsense. I mean, I know like a lot of folks out there, pro tip, uh, for folks who might use things like story blocks or audio blocks, they give you a licensing form, but that's not going to cover you. Uh, if someone leaves that platform and they take their music elsewhere or they just take it back to themselves... Yep. They don't care anymore that you had this license for that time period because they own it now. So that's why I just was like, I'm going to my business myself here. So since the Fightner days, I learned how to make my own music. And then for a while, I was just using YouTube's library because YouTube, years into this, finally started having a catalog of stuff that like they own. So it's like copyright free in perpetuity for now. Yeah. But but even then, it's like as far as like sci-fi sounding things for what I do and for my niche, I was like, everyone's using the exact same thing. I need to stand out differently. 
So I made the whole new song for myself using GarageBand as a tool, using Star Trek sound effects and other sound effects. And the first time that episode happened, everybody's like, what is this? And they were very confused because I went from having this thing that sounds like this orchestral Star Trek theme to this like Philip Glass art house sci-fi beat. It's like, I mean, people who like it, like it. It took some time. They had to grow on it. They're like, okay, now I don't hate this as much, but it was a pretty drastic change to go from one to the other. So honestly, that's been the only other change. I think for the most part, people have just been like, they get into it and they kind of get into a flow of it. So I don't even think they notice the changes. And that's kind of a good thing. Like the only most drastic thing has been that theme song. That's crazy. You know, what's funny. Corey, Corey is music producer by trade. So he knows, he knows all about the fun, (laughs) the fun aspects of making beats. I've seen when his posts like, Hey, I'm working on this beat. And I want to ask you obviously about the same thing that with Matt, like, what have you, what is something that you're still learning, but also you're you're still creating like you're making music you're still doing that are you are you integrating that into your podcast also music is always gonna be my first love that's what i you know when i was a kid i was trying to you know have just always that's how i got into like the recording because i was always in the studio and i realized i wanted to be behind the boards not in front not in front of the mic so i mean i went to school for some of that stuff didn't do well but I, i went to school for it so i'm always learning i'm like a little kid like you know, Glenglary Ross has that line, you know, always be selling. I just took it and said, always be learning. So I always challenge myself just in the conversation. I could say I'm learning something new, right? So I'm just always learning. I think also instinctively, I'm a, I'm an engineer. My, that's the way my brain works, right? I do programming. So I'm always like, want to understand how something works. So that's why like last night I was in the movies. I'm hitting start. I'm, I'm timing each scene, trying to see if there's a pattern and all that stuff. And because of that, I'm always just like looking for the next thing to learn, next thing to learn. It drives me a little nuts sometimes because you got to learn it and also understand it. So I've had to learn how to slow myself down. But in this space, it's always something to learn, right? Right now, my thing is lighting, understanding lighting better, right? You know, soft boxes and, and, and I have LED lights and I'm always playing around with my lighting at home, you know, because one time I got on a live stream and somebody was like, oh, he's so bright. <laughs> I was like, who's on? Or the other time when I'm on my live stream and I had no lights in the background. And because I'm so light, you know, everything is black. Somebody said I look like the Headless Horseman. So I was like, you know what? Let me, it's time for me to really take some time and learn this stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so many moving components. Like, how could you not want to learn? Right. And the video portion, I'm still trying to learn to understand like lenses and all that and all, you know, but it's challenging to me. And I think that's for me why I like it because it's always a new challenge. You go into a new environment. Okay, we have reverb. How do we deal with that? How do we solve that problem? And I think that's the part, you know, every person that I meet has a date. Yeah, we're doing podcasting. We're doing video, all that stuff. But everybody has some, a unique problem you're trying to help them solve. So for me, it's always like, it never turns off. That's why sometimes I don't get no sleep because I'm laying in my bed like, hmm, or something pops in and like, oh, I didn't realize that. So, and I'm I'm trying to figure out right now how to integrate my music because I, I, I don't want to pay. I don't like a lot of those licensing agreements. For instance, I have a couple of services. Yeah, they give you the license to use it on your YouTube and live streams and all that stuff and commercially. But if you get rid of that product, it's a, you know, <laughs> you, and, and, you, and it's not even it's, it, it's you become muted. They put the DSCMA claim against you. You can mess with your monetization. It can mess with your channel. So it's like well, what's the best way? And I was like, well, I always tell people like, if you're going to, like, if you have a friend who does music, give them $200, give them $150 to, and, and make sure you put in paper. It's work for hire. Don't even, I hate to say it like this, but take the credit because then you won't have any issues. If anybody says you, you put the copyright in your name, it's work for hire. 
You, if you have to get a contract, then get a contract, but pay that person for their work. And if you want to give them credit, that's entire as the owner of it, that's entirely up to you. Right. But that's how you protect yourself. And then your evergreen content doesn't get flagged if you decide to move from a different. Otherwise, you got to go into all that content, re-edit, remove if you can, you know, and it's just it's just not worth the headache. So I'm trying to figure out how to use my the music I make into the stuff that I plan, the projects I plan on working on, if it works, because how I hear music and how the feelings I have from it may not even fit what I'm trying to do. So, but I have friends, so I will be making phone calls and, Hey, I got a job for you. That's, that's very important. And I'm glad you touched on that. I think that's something that a lot of creators don't realize that there's no such thing as a free lunch. And the thing about it is we go, we pay these services, we, we get this music and yeah, it's great. But it's exactly that. What if what if you don't pay it that year or what if you move to something else because the catalog is trash? Now, all of a sudden, you have hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of music that you can never use again. And I'm glad you touched on it. And and Matt did as well, because I think that that's the problem as creators. We we're trying to make a we're, we're trying to do we're trying to get the white whale and we're using every tool at our disposal to try to do it. and most of those tools are built in someone's backyard and when they're never ours, yeah. I think that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough sell. Well, I got a little trick that I do. I get lifetime deals. I agree. Lifetime deals for I, everything. So some of these, some of the, some of the music ones that I have, I have lifetime deals with them. So, I mean, unless they, the company goes under or for whatever reason, they don't honor it anymore. I don't have to worry about that, about having to pay somebody every year or every month. Mm-hmm. It's a life. So anytime I need something, I, I may not like everything they have in their catalog, but I will go back to it and say, let me just throw this in there because I have a lifetime deal. <laughs> yep. I have one of those. I don't have those concerns. So this, you know, I don't know on this, but you know, this, this websites out there, you can get in like with people who launch products, you can get a lifetime deal as they're trying to build their user base. And, you know, and as they grow, you start, you still have that deal with them. So you grow along with them. Get those grandfather deals. Absumo's good for that. I know I said Yeah, I I didn't know if I could name drop, but Absumo. No, Absumo. Absumo's one of my addictions. Absumo, Absumo gets a name drop. I've sent Matt quite a few links. I'll be like, hey, there's this. And I I agree. I think that when we are creating, and especially in, in spaces like this, like right now, we're on location creating. And the thing about it is that on location, lifetime deals don't matter because guess what? We have to have good equipment. But when we go home and have to edit, we have to rely on the things that are important and those lifetime deals, those, those services, that's where they come in handy. Yeah. The music and that stuff just, it doesn't. And I wanted to kind of circle back on that when we all go home now and we edit, how much are you relying on products and services to get your final products out there? Like I know that Matt, when before we started recording was talking about he's no longer using final cut and Corey was saying he does i i use whatever works i mean he was filmora i use uh, premiere like matt's been incredibly gracious to teach teach this ogre premiere and he's he's done all right learn your keyboard shortcuts yeah so keyboard (laughs) shortcuts and things like that but i want to i want to ask both of you how does your workflow change now with so many products and services like you know, I'll start with Corey, like in your case, how does, how is that adjusted now for you? Because think about it. There's a new tool like every day. You know, this whole subscription service thing, 
you know, like like when like TV, right? We were supposed to all these apps. We were supposed to cut cable, and I just had this conversation with my mom. She's like, you know, I got YouTube TV. We got rid of the cable, and we have all these other these other apps we're paying for. And she was like, but it's costing us more now. And I was like, you know, I like the I like the the access it gives me. But when you start thinking about it, it's like it's a lot. I literally this week was like I ended my Zoom subscription and my Calendly subscription. Why? Because I'm paying for Google Suite that gives me that already. So I've learned that I was I kept Zoom because I know a lot of people use Zoom. And I'm like, no, you know what? Come over here to Google Meet because that's what I'm using. That's where you're going to meet me at because I'm paying for it and I'm not using it. And then the deal I have on my my subscription, I, get, I actually get more people in my meeting than I do on my Zoom. So mm. I was like, well, I'm paying all this money every year. Well, it's not a lot of money, but I'm paying this money every year for a tool I'm not using. That's good. Too. I went in, I went on AppSumo and got their, their app, their calendar app. Tidy cow. $29 lifetime versus me paying $150 a year to do the same thing. So I think when I, I, I've been really evaluating all the tools that I'm using and I'm like, where's the value and how much does it cost? I'm running a business. So I got to always be like looking at, you know, what I'm bringing in versus what I'm putting out. And I mean, it's a slow, it's a slow period right now for the business. So now I'm evaluating what I'm putting out. Right. I think as a podcaster or content creator, you got to really look at the, what is the value like time, right? What is, it may be out of your budget, but will, will, will this service, instead of you having to hire an editor or learn how to edit where you might not even be like myself, like I learned how to edit, but I'm not a big fan of it. It's fun at times, but it's not, I rather record. That's where I, my love is at. Or do I use an AI service that pay, I pay to $30 a month for? And for me, it's like, well, I can knock out X amount of video, you know, the, the one, two hours it takes for me to try to, one, figure out how my short keys, you know, my keyboard keys and stuff to, to speed up the workflow. It's like, well, I can go to this service over here and just run it through there. And it's pretty good at picking the clips, you know. So I think you have to evaluate personally what works for you and what's valuable as far as your time and energy is. I also think people, you know, just like we see with equipment, I think people go too far. They see what somebody else is doing. They think that because this person's using it or pitching it to you, because you guys watch out for those affiliates, because a lot of times that's what people are doing. They're just pitching affiliate links. Yep. They might not even be using the service, but somebody might be pitching this and you're like, oh, this is what they're using for their success. And it may not be right for you. 100%. So don't, don't, what is, what does he call it? You know, he calls it gas gear acquisition syndrome, right? Yep. I, like when we was in the store, I was like, man, I don't want to go in there. I'm going to want to walk. I'm going to spend some money. It was, it's hard, right? It's like, oh, I need a hard drive. Like you, all of a sudden you start rationalizing things and then, you know, you're spending a hundred, two hundred dollars and you're like, oh, I could have saved that money or used it for something better. So I think for people and myself included at times, I tell you, I assume I'm addicted to it and they, they know, and they know exactly what email to send me. Cause I'm like, hmm, this is what I've, I've been needing this, but I already have it with somebody else. So I think you just got to be. You got to learn, know who you are, but be careful because this stuff adds up. It adds up a lot. And, I, and being a programmer, I know that these companies know this the psychological aspect. And that's why, you know, that's why it works for them. What about you, Matt? I mean, I know you're big on the AppSumo stuff because I know you're sending me links all the time for things. But a lot of that, it's like you'll send me something and I'll be like, I already can do this on my own with this. So, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to have something else doing it for me when I can just do it myself and not everybody can do that because it is kind of like a privilege to be able to do that like you know full-time what i do is editing and producing so like this is my area so that's why like i can center in i don't need to like buy another app with a lifetime subscription deal because i just know how to do it already and if i don't i'll yeah. figure it out so like 
it's it's energy again. It's it's the budgeting of energy and your your time to do these kinds of things. So I might be in like a different position than most folks because it's what I do. So like, I'm I am the kind of person who's like, why pay for it? I can do it myself or learn to do it for myself, even if it is going to give myself a ton more stress. There's definitely a time and place to like, the, you know, throw up the white flag and be like, all right. So I guess I do need to spend this money, <laughs> but it's also like learning the tools because like, for example, there's tons of different things you can buy for Premiere, whether it's a plugin or whatever it is, LUT filters, that kind of stuff. It's plentiful on YouTube. There's always someone shilling LUTs. Yes, yes, there's always the LUT shilling, but. You know, even beyond that, there's all sorts of apps that'll make your social videos. So they'll do this for you or they'll do that for you. And then there's the folks who, like, like you were saying, you know, there's like so many subscriptions for things. Whereas, you know, for me, I use Adobe products and you got to pay for that monthly. With Final Cut, you get it once, it's there forever. But the thing with the Adobe stuff is like, and this is maybe a way other folks to think about it, is if you get the all-in suite right now, it's like 60 bucks a month, right? That is money. That's a pretty substantial amount. But if you're in a position where you're making money off of your show, it's only 60 bucks. Right. You know, for me, if, if, if I'm doing an editing gig, I make that money back in like an hour. So it pays for itself because I'm using it. I'm keeping exactly. my skills sharp. So it's not like it's an investment in what I'm doing. So that's kind of how I look at Adobe because it also is like, you know, I can now use all the different parts of the Adobe suite in my premiere because it's compatible with Photoshop. It's compatible with Illustrator, all these different things, After Effects. Uh, they seamlessly integrate, which is amazing as a time saver also. It just is a matter of, you know, are you going to take the time to learn it? And not again, not everybody's going to do what I do professionally. So what I do is different, but I, I kind of think like, you know, I'm of the mindset where if I go to a gig, for example, and I'm doing editing, I can't necessarily bring a hard drive full of my stuff with me. I got to have everything ready. I got to know how just the standards work. A lot of editors do bring like a flash drive and they'll have all their custom keyboard shortcuts and all the things with them, but I don't want to work that way. I don't want to function that way. I want to have whatever's, you know, whatever that is that I'm going to work at in a new place. That's what's there for me. And I'll adapt to whatever else that they have that I don't have. So. For me, it's just time and energy, but I'm okay kind of putting that in there. Uh, I'm suffering a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> See, for me, I'm, I'm, I keep my, my toes in two worlds. I like products that give me something that I can't get back, and that's time. You know, I'd rather spend the dollar because I'll get the dollar back to Matt's sentiment, but to the same thing with Corey, it's like time. Like Matt knows, and he can vouch for this. I've messaged him like, oh, I got to do this video thing and it'll take him five minutes. It'll take me four hours. And that's where we, we work off of each other or he'll have an audio problem. He'll be like, take a look at this. Let me know what you think. It'll take him an hour. It might take me five minutes. And I think that that's the big, the big thing with all of us as creators. And I tell people this all the time, weigh out your options on which part you're willing to sacrifice to see this through. Are you going to sacrifice money or are you going to sacrifice time? But don't sacrifice both. But I will say on that, though, you know, on that point, uh, I think we both have been more expedient in these things. So that's also, you know, like we're sharing information. And I think that's one of the big things that anyone doing content creation needs to do is to be able to reach out to people within their community and be like, hey, how do I do this? But also not necessarily to have them do it for you. Because I think we've both been learning. I mean, I, I, a lot of the audio issues I used to come to you with, I now know how to do. I figured out how to do Premiere because I'm like, all right, well, Rich made it sound this way. How do I replicate that? Yep. And how do I do it with the tools that I have? And I think you've done similar. So I think there's a lot of the information sharing that's a big part of this, which is probably one of the hardest things I think about podcasting is actually creating a network, an internal network of, you know, folks you trust and who can, you could go to for help and, and figuring all these things out. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Corey is a seasoned was, professional. I was about to segue and be like, well, that's why you got to join a, commu- a community. <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, community, community. I'll take my check now, please. You Thank know. you. <laughs> You either got to, you know, and I think for a lot of podcasters, when I meet them, especially those who start, who are like starting intermediate beginner level, 
it's a hard concept for them to understand because they think everything is associated with money. And I'm like, well, no, go this, this Facebook groups, this paid communities like mine, where there's like-minded people that are, that you can either barter with, trade with, or that are just because you're in the community, they're more willing to, I have, you know, we have Ambi award winners. We have producers that have shows on TV and stuff in my community. And, but they will normally charge you as they're in some, for a lot of them, consulting is part of their business, but you're getting it here. You just put in a, yo, do this, do this, do that. You know, I think that's the joy of having a community and you don't need to, you may be in initially you might wear all the hats, you know, for this and cause you don't have, a, you can't hire people, whatever, you know, that's just the natural order of things. But at some point you got to let your pride go and say, yo, you know what? Rich is an audio guy. I don't really like audio. Let me go talk to him. Let me pick his brains. I think one of the things I love about my community is it's like, you know, you're, like a parent finds out their child is doing something in secret. And you're like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know you was doing that. Like, and I, I'm not saying this, I look at my, my community that way, but I was like, I was, you know, we was having a conversation with Tom. So I was like, yeah, I'm over here interning with this person. And I'm like, what? And this other person's like, yeah, we're working on this project. And I'm like, so you guys are doing stuff behind the scenes now. But I, I, that's the, that was the point of the community. And people like, this guy, one of my members, he's just, he just, he's just been on a hot streak. He's just every, just getting awards, awards, awards. So to hear him saying, I'm over here interning so he can learn more was like, wow. So I think if you're, if you're looking to get in a podcast, you have to build your network. I mean, what do they say? Net, your network is your net worth, right? So that's right. And it's true, especially in this content creation space, your network is, you know, is your network because somebody might say, Hey, come get on this project with me. And actually, you know, you're, I've had, I've, you know, I've had people introduce me to brand, like people at, at, at companies that make the decisions on sponsorships and stuff now. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta build your team. You gotta go out there, ask questions. Don't be afraid. And if you're, you're weak in one space, ask somebody, you know, get cool with somebody. Don't take advantage of them, but you know, reach out. I'm about to start reaching out to you, man. Cause I want to learn some more about this video stuff. <laughs> there you go. Before, before we wrap our conversation, what can, what can our audience, what can the toys and tech of the trader RageWorks audience do to help you? Matt, what can we do to help you and get you more listens, get you out there? What can we do for you? Well, if you'd like to send me checks, money orders, or PayPal donations, well, really the biggest free thing that is most helpful would definitely be watching and listening to my stuff. So yeah, you can find during news today, if you are looking for a toy reviews and product reviews and comic stuff and a lot of stuff that's coming soon, probably early 2024, Quite honestly, I guess I'm going to be accountable and say it here out loud. So I'm, I'm making big, big, big changes to the site and I want to really change it up finally and make content I actually care more about. So I'm going to figure that out. So go visit youtube.com slash nerd news today and be patient while I figure that out. But, uh, and as far as Trek Untold, whether or not you're even a Star Trek fan, because I'm in this weird little niche and if I can go on a little rant for a moment here, you know, I know I'm in this weird little spot where it's a Star Trek podcast and people see it as a Star Trek podcast, but once people listen, they actually realize it's not. It's probably the most non-Star Trek, Star Trek podcast out there. Because like I mentioned at the start of the show, this the key of it is that it's very much about talking to these professionals, whether they are actors, writers, directors, or stunt performers, VFX artists, people working behind the scenes, people working way off behind the scenes doing other things. Uh, it's very much about learning about them as a person and then learning about what they do as a professional. So if you're an actor or into acting, there's people who are giving you acting theory and you're getting it for free. So that's kind of what the show is. It's more about that sort of thing. So if that sounds appealing to you, definitely check it out. I mean, we got comic book artists as well, comic book writers. We've got illustrators, technical illustrators. We cover the gamut here of professions. So that's what we're talking about. 
So there's an episode for everybody. And so I recommend just checking out, look at the names, see if anybody's jobs interest you basically, uh, or seeing there's a name that you recognize and just dive in, listen to it on youtube.com slash at Trek Untold, or find us on pretty much every major audio platform out there and just like, listen, subscribe, thumbs up, comments, do all the things that that'd be cool. Yeah. And live long and prosper. Why not? There you go. Corey, what can we do for you? Well, I'm a little different because I don't have a podcast myself. Um, we got to fix that. What? I'm, no, it's, it's in the works, actually. I'm working on some projects with some people and myself. I'm, I'm trying to build my own network, so I'm working on that, too. But as far as, like, what I do, I mean, we are the Black Podcast Association, but we are also ambassadors to podcasting because people hear Black Podcasters and they think it's just, you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're exclusive, not, inc- we're inclusive also, but not, but also exclusive. But we actually are, a lot of our members are fans of podcasting. So it is a safe space for Black Podcasters to come in and, you know, for our old cultural things and all that stuff, but we're not isolated and we're not, it's not some, be surprised at stuff that I hear, man. It's um, not a walled garden. It's, it's not so some racist or prejudiced or anything. It's just a space for a group of people in a, in, actually in an industry that has a diversity issue. You know, I'm very vocal about that. Yep. Where they can t- just come together and work with each other. But if you know anybody looking for a community or, you know, that's because anybody can join. I just want you guys to know that anybody could join. It's just know that this conversation is going on in that you might not like or, but you can go to get BPA. We have a, I have a special sponsor deal going on from with the Hey app, which is a, it's an app for black publishers and podcasters is the, the largest directory of black podcasters right now. But to, mem- to get up to 60 days or two months free membership. So you can come and learn to see what we're doing. We do monthly. Now we do monthly learning labs, which is open to anybody. That was one of the things in the beginning. I was like, oh, I wanted to keep it exclusive to the community. But I was like, some of these people have just such great content and they're teaching stuff. People, it was, I was like, is it about the community or is it about people getting, becoming good podcasters? So I, I opened it up to the general public. It is a small fee, but it's not expensive. And it's free to members. <laughs> but but this is to the audio version. Yeah. Corey winked. <laughs> oh, thank you. See, I got to remember that to do that, <laughs> the descriptive audio, but it is, it, the community is great. We, we work with a lot of different people. So the biggest thing I can say, if you want to support us, just let people know we're out there. It's the Black Podcast Association on all socials. So you can just follow us. And, you know, I'm always open to, like I said, I'm always learning. So any feedback or anything that I think to me, that's the most, that's the most valuable thing you can give me is positive feedback. Positive, <laughs> positive being the key word here. Myself, my, my call to action for everybody watching and listening is to continue supporting these amazing creators. Uh, keep an eye out for everything we're doing on the Rageworks podcast network. Obviously, we are on location. Again, big thanks to Jim Overdorf from The Landing 251 for allowing us to record here. And you'll probably be seeing us here more often as we work on something very, very special for all of you. On behalf of myself, Corey and Matt, thank you guys for checking out this episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. We'll see you next time.